Welcome to the Rebel Physician Podcast, where we are creating a path for physicians to break free from the toxic medical system to create an enjoyable and a sustainable career in medicine. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo, push boundaries, and seek to create a better healthcare system for all. Dr. Kara Pepper is an internal medicine doctor who currently practices telemedicine only, as well as a coach who helps people who are overworked and stressed out. We have an amazing and honest conversation, and Kara is such a peaceful essence. I really enjoyed talking with her, and I know that you will enjoy listening to this interview with a fellow REPL physician. Enjoy. Kara, I'm so glad to have you here. Many months in the making. Yes, I'm so glad to be with you. So I think it's going to probably be hard for you to narrow down all the amazingly rebellious things that you've done in your medical career. But let's just jump in and start with maybe the initial switch from the box to the rebelliousness, (laughs) rebelliousness, and then just take it from there. Yeah, before we started recording, you asked me what's the most rebellious thing I've ever done. And and as we alluded to, I think it's something really small, which is simply just using my voice mm-hmm. to say the things that everyone else is thinking and saying privately, but not saying publicly. And what that looked like externally along the way was not always pretty. Um, you know, like many of us, you know, looked good on paper, but internally had this struggle. Um couldn't decide if I wanted to do private practice or academics, but knew that I didn't really like what was being presented to me. So one of the rebellious things that I did was to stop taking my birth control and then getting pregnant in two weeks so that I could have a kid to blame all the decisions I was making on. I wouldn't have described it that way at the time, but that's really what I was doing because I didn't have the voice to say out loud what I needed. So it allowed me to use this kid kind of as a surrogate to be like, no, this is the thing that I need to do. Or I can't work in that way because I need to be able to be a mom. But really, it was a surrogate for what I really needed. And so using my voice and residency, for example, may have looked like, hey, everyone is really depressed. And I've had five people tell me that they're suicidal. We need to make change related to that. In my practice, it looked like I can't work five days a week because I am a human and I need other flexible work strategies. It meant saying, I've had enough and I can't get out of bed because I'm so profoundly burned out. I need to take a leave of absence and taking a sabbatical when that really wasn't something that was being done. And ultimately, it looked like leaving my practice that was on paper wildly successful. I hadn't taken new patients in probably seven years. And, I, you know, top doc list in Atlanta and all those things. And it meant stepping away from that because I couldn't unknow the fact that I would absolutely regret working and having work compress everything that I valued out out of my life. And none of those things were pretty and fun to experience. They were terrifying. They were isolating. They were lonely. They were scapegoating. They were kind of self-gaslighting in a way. But there was a part of me that always knew it was the right thing that I needed um, until I was able to really stand on my own two feet and say, I need this and that's enough of a reason. So I guess I've done a lot of rebelling along the years. I just took me a while to kind of name it as such. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think even just what you said to start out with is that saying what you want and saying what you notice when it's even when it's not 
um, typical or it's not what people want to hear is very rebellious in medicine. How did that, I mean, especially as a resident, how was it received? And how did you get to the point where you were able to overcome the fear of stepping out like that? So I'll I'll tell it in terms of a story. So I was, um, uh, my residency program is the biggest internal medicine program in the country. And I was one of three people who were nominated to be our class representatives for all three years that I was in residency. And so people would come to me with a variety of concerns. And it was at the nadir of my residency. So right at that like 18 month mark. And I was working at the VA and I hadn't seen daylight in uh, two straight months. Um, because I was working 100-hour weeks and being told to lie and not report that. And so I had a number of colleagues come to me and say, they were not well. We need support. We need time to be able to deal with our mental health needs. And so as a representative, went to our program leadership and said, this is a real problem. Um, And how was it received? It was received by saying I was the problem. Like, it sounds like you're depressed. You should go get some therapy. And while they were correct, I did absolutely need therapy. When the hell was I going to do that when I was working 100 hours a week? Like, there's literally not time. Um, and so it wasn't always received well, but the the people pleaser in me had a hard time saying that. But there was also another part of me that was heartbroken watching talented, brilliant, compassionate people fall apart, not have the resources that they need. And that heartbreak around watching my colleagues suffer was enough to kind of overcome the people pleaser in me. So it's never just one thing, right? There may be part of me that's scared. There may be part of me that's an advocate. There may be part of me that is heartbroken. But the sum of that is there was enough heartbreak to generate those words to come out of my mouth, even if it was not always well received. I couldn't not say it. Yeah. And tell me, let's let's talk a little bit more about fear, because I think it's something I... I'm pretty honest about, and I think you are too, that it's not all rainbows and unicorns, right? Like it's hard to go against the grain in medicine. And um, I would love to hear your take on that and how you have been able to cope and all of that, all of those things. I will state the very obvious privilege that I have as a white, cis, hetero, kind of Christian woman have every metric of privilege that there is except for being man. So with that comes the ability to say things that other people cannot say. And a lot of times I didn't say those things. I I think like many of us, we kind of can look back and say, I should have stood up for that person, or I should have asked for that, or why didn't I say something? And I think COVID, (laughs) the stories with COVID are like, and then COVID happened. So, and then COVID happened for me. I couldn't not say a lot of the things that I was thinking about our systems of healthcare, the way that they were being delivered, the expectations of physicians, the trauma that we were causing our patients, the trauma that we are all experiencing delivering care in that season. And so it it's not that I was living without fear. It's that I was, I who better than me to say something because I have the privilege and the natural protection that comes with that. Even if sometimes there's pushback, I can't not say it. That just gave me chills. Who am I to not say it? That's powerful. So I'm sensing a theme that it has been easier, and you can def- definitely correct me, but has it been easier 
to use your voice when it was for the good of other people than for your own desire and benefit. Yeah, they call that the mama bear effect, which felt mm. very true in my bones. Like, I didn't know that I deserved privilege or opportunities or I did, I, it may have been scary to say things on my own behalf, but to look at the women and men, but other people who were coming up behind me who didn't have the power that I did, I couldn't not do it for them. I couldn't not do it for my patients. It draws on that that thing that comes very naturally for us, which is like, of course, I want to protect my patients and do what's right for them. Of course, that's why I'm making all these sacrifices. So it's that same kind of white hot energy that's, that even if I didn't believe that I personally deserved it, even if I felt stuck, even if I didn't feel like I could make change for myself, I sure knew how to do that for other people. And it was leveraging that to my own benefit in tiny little micro doses over time that finally allowed me to be able to say, yeah, I deserve it too. And that's okay. And many physicians that I talk to struggle with the, the it feels like the, the battle between what's best thing for our patients and what's the best thing for us. It feels like you can't have that. How do you, or how have you navigated that struggle in the past where, yeah, technically your patients would love to have you there 24 seven and always be working and at their beck and call. And that's not like sustainable for a human. So how do you, how did you navigate that? Um, I didn't navigate it well for a long time. I was eternally sacrificing everything that I valued for my career. But I think the thing that was really helpful is to take a step away from this either or mentality. It's not me versus my patients. It's not physicians versus administration. Maybe that's really rebellious to say. It's all of us together in this very broken healthcare system trying to all be healed. Like my wellness is not independent of my patient's wellness. In fact, my patient's wellness cannot exist without my own wellness. It's not either or, it's both. So that for me was very helpful in saying, if I want to deliver amazing care, I have to be well. And the way I know that is that I've not been well for a long time and I resented my patients for sending me portal messages. I was incredibly frustrated that a patient was sick and wanted to be seen because I was so drowning in other patients. Like, that's not how I want to show up. So I've pushed myself to the limit and I recognize that doesn't actually work anymore. So I have to try it another way, which for me was to say it's both and. Me getting seven hours of sleep is how I deliver amazing care. Me saying this is all I'm able to do is how I deliver amazing care. Me saying my life matters is how I deliver amazing care. And that helped leverage what I already believed in, which is I want to take great care of patients for my own benefit. And now I have a career that I could work indefinitely, like I could do this until the day I die and feel great about it. And that's what I would love is for every physician to feel that way. So if you could like bottle that up and say, this is all you need. This is the recipe for having the life that you want to have in medicine. Is there Are there high points or bullet points that you could share about how to get that? Yes. One is having a relationship with yourself, which is to understand who you are when you take away all the labels. If you take away clinician, parent, partner, 
sibling, kid, whatever. Take away all those labels. Who are you when you take those away? And probably 90% of the people I ask that question to have no idea, literally no idea, because they've totally abandoned themselves for their career, out of necessity, but they never came back home to themselves. So who are you? Like, what makes you uniquely you? And you may look at your career as a value exchange. It's a way that you make money so you can do all the things you really love to do. You may think your career is absolutely what you want to spend 100% of your time doing. And all of that is okay. But kind of knowing what you value and who you are is really important because that's the cornerstone, the touchstone, the mirror that you hold up to say, this is what really matters to me. And if you don't know what your compass is, you're going to feel pretty lost. So I think always starting there with knowing who you are and what matters to you is is important. And then, like I said earlier, like who better than me? Like we know what it takes to deliver amazing care. We know what it takes to deliver lifelong care. And just because you haven't seen it modeled for you doesn't mean that it can't exist. You get to create that. And so I think for many folks, if you're like a resident or a fellow who are, who's listening, we often just see that there's two options, like private practice versus academics. Those are two of like a thousand options. Mm-hmm. So if you don't see it, you get to go create it. And maybe you got to work in private practice for a little bit to get your skills up before you make that launch. Fine. And then the last part is that getting, feeling like you've outgrown something is a sign of growth, not a sign of failure or limitation. So if you've worked in a job and you're like, this doesn't fit me anymore, it's actually a great thing because you're not the same person you were at 20 or 30 or 40. You get to change and evolve. And hopefully you're in a workplace that allows you to grow within it. And if you're not, that's also okay. You get to go find what suits your needs now because no one on their deathbed wishes they generated more RVUs or saw just one more patient. They're like, these are the things that matter to me and this is how I spent my time. So Those are all such great points. What I want to pull out just to make sure I highlight it is knowing who you are. And that can feel really scary of like where to even start. Do you have any um, tips on where, like what kind of activities or what do they, what does someone do if they're like, I have no idea who I am outside of being a doctor and a parent and a spouse? How do they find out? Yeah. So part of it is the first step is just creating white space, some time in your calendar, right? It's working and specifically overworking is a self-medicating behavior because you can feel good and productive doing that and avoid knowing who you are or uncomfortable feelings. So you need some time and space to get to know yourself. And it may be five minutes per day where you just give yourself permission to not be in charge of anything or answer any questions. Or it may be to say, I just want to try a new hobby without having to, quote, be successful. Like, I'm going to join a pickleball team, or I'm going to go paint, or I'm going to start exercising again. Like, just to give yourself permission to try something without the expectation that it's going to be a revenue source, or that you're going to be amazing at it, or that it needs to be a thing. And so I know you often talk about play, but it's that. It's in allowing our parasympathetic systems to upregulate. That's where our intuition, our creativity, our real problem solving. Like if you want to know what the answer is, you've got to have um, some parasympathetic tone in your life. So create some space for that and see what you learn and then just take the next step after that. I love that. That's really good advice and very tangible. People can do that today. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. I think um, we like, it's like all or nothing, right? It's like, I don't have an hour of day to do that. Okay. But you have like five minutes. Yeah. Can you get it five, six minutes? You know, let's just start with that. 
as we wrap up, I would love if you wouldn't mind telling people what you do now as a example of one possibility of what medicine can look like in a career and also what you do outside of medicine too. Yeah. So the biggest thing is that I don't just do one thing. I do a lot of things. So I am a primary care internist. I work in a traditional practice and now I opened my own solo telemedicine practice. I'm licensed in seven states and I deliver primarily eating disorder care as well as general adult medicine. So I have a practice where I do that. I also consult in the eating disorder world. So I help big programs know how to manage adults in the eating disorder world. I also speak and educate. So I go and talk about clinical care and how we can deliver care. And then I am a coach. So for folks who are struggling with burnout and perfectionism and career change, like I help individuals and groups manage that. I also go into organizations and help them build programs. And then I also like those are the things I do. But I also have this whole like life that gets, frankly, financed by those activities. And so for the generalist in me that thought I had to like find the perfect job and it was always a little unsatisfied because that one thing couldn't fit my needs. Like I just got a bunch of little things that all together make me feel really fulfilled and engaged and creative. And so that feels like engaging work that I could do forever, even if sometimes it's boring, even if sometimes it's hard, it feels good because it's a little bit of everything. So that's what I do now. That's really powerful. And I think the, the lesson or the experience of medicine that we're fed in training is you find a job and the best thing for you to do is to work there forever. And that's rewarded, right? Longevity is rewarded, even though no one's going to be that flexible with you. You kind of have to force yourself to do it. But the longer you can stay at a job, that's the best thing. And if you don't like to work all the time, then that's weird. At least that's the story I was fed about what it's like to be a doctor. When I interviewed out of residency, my um, there's an interviewer who said to me, we want to hire you and retire you. And my visceral reaction was fear. Like, oh my God, I have to do the same thing for 30 years. And that's my intuition, my deeper knowing from yeah. the very beginning being like, this is not meant for you. It was the right job, but it was never meant for me to be there for 30 years. Yeah. yeah. And I actually think that that's not the norm. It should not be considered the norm. The norm okay. should be an expectation that we continue to grow and learn about who we are and what we like and who we want to be. And when we graduate from residency and we're, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever, like we're babies then. And maybe we have a family, maybe we don't have a family yet. Maybe we are married and then we end up not being married. Like there's so many assumptions made about our how, how we think our life should look. And to assume that we are not going to change and want the same thing forever is really detrimental to physicians. I agree. I agree. Yeah. My husband is not in medicine. He's an MBA. And if he was in the same job that he had out of training, people would think there's something wrong with him. Like, mm-hmm. have you not grown? Do you not have any ambition? Do you not have any desire to do anything different? Like, it's actually not normal for people to stay in the same job year after year. So it's really interesting um, to apply that to medicine and say, it's okay. And I I really do have a lot of hope with our newest generation of docs because I think they've watched us burn out, be miserable, get divorced, die by suicide at higher rates than the rest of the population. And they're like, that's not what I want. So I'm going to do what's right for me. Even if they get some pushback sometimes, I think that that really gives me a lot of hope for the future of medicine. 
Yeah, agree. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure that you have lots of great insights to offer. And I will definitely have to continue this conversation in the future. Thank you for having me. Hey there. Just wanted to take some quick time here to let you know that if you have been thinking about doing a podcast and it feels really overwhelming and you like the idea of podcasting, but the other stuff like the editing and production feels too overwhelming, I wanted to let you know about the people who now edit and produce my podcast, which is Pretty Easy Podcasts. And for the first year and a half of my podcast, I was doing everything myself. And I had tried to contract out editing and it was really got some really, really bad (laughs) results. So I was hesitant to try again, but I'm so glad that I did because working with Pretty Easy Podcasts has been so amazing. They can get your shows recorded, posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. You could record from home, your office or the park or really anywhere. And then they totally cater to your schedule and It's just so easy to work with them. I cannot say enough good things. So if it's been on your mind to do a podcast, then definitely check out Pretty Easy Podcast at prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. It's super affordable and it's so fun working with them. So definitely check it out. (music) 